Hello, Knicks Nation. Welcome to episode nine of the Knicks Community Podcast. I'm your host, Aiden Donahue. And today we have a very special guest, a diehard Carmelo Anthony fan and a diehard New York Knicks fan, Steve Sakadikis. Is that correct? It's close enough. Close enough. All right. What's going all right. On, Aiden? I'm, I'm doing good. How are you, man? How, how have you been doing uh, during uh, quarantine and everything like that? Doing well, man. Uh, just kind of taking this new world that we all live in one day at a time. Um, been posting a bunch on Control the Narrative. Like, we're making this releasing next week on October 26th, with them, which I'm pretty excited about. We will get um, all into that uh, very yeah. soon. Yeah, so just, you know, taking it one day at a time. What about you, man? That's great. Um, I mean, I've just been uh, dealing with the uh, startup of the new school year. Uh, I'm a junior in high school, so I'm currently dealing with the college process and school and everything like that. So also keeping up my Knicks content and podcasts. So it's been a lot, but it's been a fun and exciting during this crazy and, uh, weird and interesting times that we're currently going through with everything. And I mean, yeah, it's just been kind of kind of wild i guess yeah do you, uh, you could Respect do feel, though. yeah it's uh i i uh i i do a lot of uh theater in the city so i'm currently just looking at um like colleges for like musical theater but obviously i'm going to keep up my podcast obviously because nice. gotta keep nick's nation in the loop um but anyways let's get right into it so you are probably one of the biggest Carmelo Anthony fans that I know on the face of the earth. So the first time you ever watched a Carmelo Anthony game, what was it about Carmelo that really drew you to becoming the diehard fan that you now are today? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, So the thing about it was it wasn't like I watched him on TV and I was like, wow, I love this guy. This is crazy. For me, it started with growing up as a Knicks fan, and being a video game player, mm-hmm. um, you know, you didn't want to play with the Knicks when I was 10 years old at the time. So I didn't want to play with the Knicks because they weren't good. So I'm not, I don't want to play with a bad team because then it's hard to win. And it's just not fun. So there was this video game that came out, NBA Live 2005. And uh, there was this guy from the Denver Nuggets on the front of it. He was wearing number 15. I'm like, you know what? Let me just try this guy out. Let's see how it works. And he was really good in the video game kept playing with them and then I was just like wow this guy Carmelo Anthony I really like uh then I started you know watching his games a little bit and my mom bought me his jersey and it kind of just took off from there and when he came to the Knicks um that was like something I couldn't even dream of because I just never thought it was possible so it's kind of the best of both worlds wow that's that's crazy I you know when I when I first was like thinking of like how you became a uh uh, a mellow fan i was always expecting like uh you just somehow stumbled upon like a denver nuggets game on on your uh, right. tv or something but you know to really uh learn about him from nba live of all places uh yep. that's kind of crazy i mean speaking of nba live i mean i i really hope they make a new nba live soon because i've really missed those kinds of games because you know you could only play 2k for so long yeah. So I mean, those all star weekends in those games when they had the dunk contest, the shootout, mm. they used to kill it. And then 2K kind of just took over, and literally NBA Live is extinct now. But oh, yeah. Yeah. NBA Live used to be. Can, am I allowed to curse on this? Yeah. 
All right. I mean, life used to be the shit. I was trying to like hold back, but. Oh, right, no, no, no. Gonna... You're fine. You're fine. Totally fine. <laughs> no, I agree. I, I still play, uh, I still play like NBA Live like 19 with some of my friends sometimes because it's now so hard to play 2K21. Yeah. Because yeah. it's, ah, it's, it's tough to play that game now. But, um, you know, while I was doing my research on you and, um, you know, just your beginnings as a Carmelo Anthony fan, I saw on your Instagram that you have had a lot of opportunities to meet Carmelo Anthony. So how did you get those opportunities and what was it like to get the chance to actually meet Carmelo in person? Yeah. Um, so the first time I met him was in 2013. And they, he used to do this camp in the city. It was called Camp Mello. And he was with this company called Pro Camps. And they would have a camp every year for kids to go. It was usually like a two-day event. Some might have been a three-day one, one year. I don't remember. But I remember I heard about like, oh, there's a, there's a Camp Mello going on. And I think I was like 18, 19 at the time. So I'm like, all right, I'm too old to like participate in it. How else can I get in? Like, I just want to meet this guy. He's been like my idol for a lot of years now. And I, I heard that they were hiring volunteers to like go and help set up and everything and I was like yes like I'll do whatever so emailed the company was like hey interested in volunteering um they're like all right cool like you're in just like sign this form or whatever and I was like that's it they're like yeah you're good so I was like all right so it was at Queens College in 2013 um I live out on Long Island and so it was maybe like half hour drive we had to be there at I think it was like six o'clock in the morning um to help set up and I think the camp started at maybe 12. So we were there at six o'clock first six hours, just like putting things together, just doing all this. And they were like very strict with the volunteers. They were telling people like, you know, no pic. If we see you taking a picture with Melo, you're getting thrown out. Wow. No uh, signing for autographs. You can talk to him like here and there, but, you know, remain professional. And I, I get it, but like we weren't getting paid at, at the end of the day. So like, you know, the least they could do is like, hey, let us at the end take a picture and they did that a few years mm-hmm. i remember there was this one kid, this one kid went there he he took uh, a picture with Mello, and then legit left like he legit oh, volunteered wow. for like three hours took a pic with him and left but that's hilarious so, <laughs> so going i remember he was sitting down um on this chair and like it was my first time like ever ever meeting him in person and like i tapped him on the shoulder and i put my hand up i was like hey Mello, nice to meet you and he like didn't look up right away mm. And he, it might have taken him like 0.3 seconds to turn around and like say what's up to me and shake my hand. But it felt like it was like 13 years. And he was I had just had like a quick conversation with him. Um, and he was he's just like the coolest dude ever, like so cool with the kids. He was so cool with the volunteers and just like a chill dude. And, you know, some people say, like, don't it's something like don't meet your heroes because it'll always be a disappointment or like something along those lines. And like I was scared because. Honestly, if he was a dick after all those years that I was like, you know, sticking up for him and all these arguments and everything, it would have it would have just crushed me. But he couldn't have been a cooler dude and a more down to earth guy. And like I had a pair of his shoes on and he like complimented them. Um, So over the years, you know, I'll go back to the camp mellows and he remembered my face after a while. I used to have a sports blog website, a New York sports blog website called Skyscraper Sports. We used to cover some events. We covered one for the Knicks, and I saw him there, and then he told me, he don't remember my name, uh, but he said, good to see you again. And that, to me, like, the hair on the back of my neck stood up when he when he told me that. It was just like, 
the fact that he remembered me and like it was it made his day a little better to see me um that was like one of the best moments of my life but since then like uh i've seen him a few more times he and he follows control the narrative now like i've dropped off merch from before so i don't want to say i have a relationship with him but like um it's just so cool that somebody that you admire and idolize and things like that knows about you and is just like aware of you it's it's a crazy feeling i'm not gonna lie oh wow that's awesome that's yeah. crazy yeah so are you are you more of like a fan to a specific nba team like like the knicks or are you kind of like an nba fan where you're a fan of any team that Carmelo Anthony goes to. Yeah, I've I've like gone back and forth with this just because, like I said, when I was when I was growing up, I was a Knicks fan living in New York. That was the only team here at the time. I never would have been a Nets fan anyway. But it's just so much easier to like a player because they don't really change as much as teams change. Like. The Knicks over the past six years have just been terrible, and it's so hard to love them. Um, but at the mm-hmm. same time, like, I am a Knicks fan. So, for example, like, when Melo was with the Thunder and they came to MSG, that was my first real time uh, being like, all right, am I a Melo fan or am I a Knicks fan? And I'd be lying right. to you if I said I was rooting for the Knicks that night. Like, I was mm-hmm. pulling for the Thunder. So if I had to answer that, I would probably say I'm a mellow fan over a Knicks fan, but it's not by a wide margin. Mm. Okay. That's interesting. So kind of like in the middle. Yeah. Let's, let's go with that. Yeah. 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 No, I, that's fair. That's fair. Um, so speaking of control, the narrative. So how did that come into play and what made you want to start it? Yeah. Um, so it all started when the Rockets parted ways with Melo. Um, as I'm sure you know, and a lot of other people listening to know, there's always a, there's always been this narrative around Melo that he's the selfish player. He won't accept a lesser role. He doesn't make people better. And just all these crazy things that people have said, which have no merit. Like, where did they come from? Who started this? Uh, it doesn't match up with what you watch. When, like, when you see an OKC... He was the third, maybe fourth option on that team, and he accepted it. Like, he, he's been talking about it recently. Like, he loved his time in OKC, and then he accepted a bench role in Houston. Uh, and then, if you, oh, you know, he's never going to accept the lesser role. And I just didn't know where these narratives were coming from. So when the Rockets parted ways with them after 10 games and pretty much said, they, they told them your services are no longer needed the narratives just started running crazy. Like, oh, well, you know, they cut him because he didn't accept the bench roll, but he did. They cut him because he's washed. And then he didn't play great those 10 games. But when you look at his stats in those first 10 games versus like Eric Gordon's, Melo's is better across the board, but they didn't cut Eric Gordon after 10 games. So there was just this narrative around him. um, And I was just doing it on my own personal tour at first. I, I started this, I don't know if I started it, but there was this hashtag going around. Hashtag change the mellow narrative. Uh, so mm-hmm. every tweet that I would put out, it was it was just something like that. And, you know, I figured, all right, this will be a month, two month, maybe three month max thing until the trade deadline. Then he'll go to a team and everybody will stop. Then he didn't go to a team during uh, the trade deadline. And then free agency started and he still wasn't on a team. 
And people were just running with this narrative of Melo's washed. And having him as my favorite player for all these years and, and just honestly being so emotionally invested in his career and then hearing all these people say these crazy things that are affecting his ability to get back on the court because the teams were starting to believe it. And then the Rockets behind the scenes, apparently, according to Stephen A., were spreading some rumors behind the scenes like, oh, Melo's this because Melo came out and said what happened between him and Houston where they came up Mm -hmm. to him and they were like, yo, we don't need you anymore. And then they started saying some things like, oh, no, Melo's sick. I'm getting too far into it. But pretty much the narrative uh, around him was just too crazy and just a slander on his name was getting out of control and it was affecting his ability to be on the NBA court. And that's when I was like, you know what? We all have to do something about this because there was a legit chance that he was not going to come back to the NBA all because of bullshit rumors surrounding his name, which just weren't true. Mm. So you literally like and figuratively wanted to control the narrative. <laughs> right. Yes. Yeah. I gotcha. So I, and I also noticed that you have a podcast as well. Um, so what made you want to start that as well? Was it the same kind of reasoning for just starting control the narrative in general? Yeah, I think so. I think um, the idea behind it at first was like, let me put out factual information about this guy and allow people to make their own opinions about him after they got the real facts, not just the he's washed thing. Mm. And then I was like, pretty quickly, I think I started it maybe the podcast, maybe a month after I launched Control. Um, And I was just like, you know what, let's just do this. Every week, I'm going to bring a different guest on because people wanted to talk to me about it and get their opinion out um, and kind of use that platform to stick up for their favorite player. And I was just like, all right, cool. Like, I, I love that. Like, come on, say your two cents and we'll have a different guest every week. And honestly, it, it was mainly the podcast launch was mainly because free agency was starting. So mm-hmm. it was mainly because of just like the interest in talking about which team he should go to or which team I think he should go to. And I really wanted him to go to the Clippers. That didn't work out. Um, but yeah, then I just continued it every week. You know, it's kind of been on pause since the season ended and mm-hmm. it was on pause when there was no season, but um, it's just something that I love having different people on every time they come on, I make them say their background, kind of like you asked me of, yo, how'd you become a mellow fan? Right. And, and all that. And just, just to create a community because, um, you know, there's LeBron fans everywhere. There's Jordan fans everywhere. There's Curry fans everywhere, but for whatever reason, the mellow fans always just get talked down upon and and just shit on. And I was like, you know what, let's, let's try to bring us all together. Um, And, you know, we've been called like an army, like a gang and all these things. And um, it's just been fun. That's awesome. That that's, that's kind of like the reason why I think I wanted to start my podcast as well, because I think that, you know, being a Knicks fan is always so tough and and hard with, everything that we've been having to go through since the last time we were in the playoffs. And, you know, I I think that I just try to bring, you know, like positivity and like reassurance. I mean, obviously, like, I'm not going to like poke around the bush, like, and like, just like completely like be like, oh, nothing negative is happening here. Like, I will like talk about the negatives, but then also bring kind of my two cents in to say like, you know, like, for example, like when we had when we got the eighth pick, 
Like, I'm like, listen, everybody, we, I know we, everybody wanted like a top five or top three pick, but you know, with number eight, think about Porzingis. Like we could draft like a, a person that nobody's really talking about right now. And hopefully that person can become kind of like what Porzingis was. I mean, I know it's like a right. one in a million chance because we have no idea how well these guys can transition into the style of play that is the NBA, especially having like the NCAA season cut short due to the pandemic and everything. We haven't really been, you know, allowed to see more, I guess, um, moments of all of these draft prospects playing. But, you know, I just think that maybe we can draft somebody that'll blow up and become a star that nobody on their list was, I guess, expecting to become one in the first place. So, yeah, I totally relate with you on the fact that, you know, you kind of want to bring in your own opinion on uh, and really just kind of clear up. And uh, I guess the narrative that the media kind of want, like likes to create regarding Carmelo Anthony and surrounding Carmelo Anthony. So in your opinion, yep. what do you think was Carmelo Anthony's best season of his career? And do you think that he could ever get back to that stage of his career, in your opinion. Yeah, so are we talking, like, personally, statistically, all in all? Um, I mean, we could do personally and stati- – we could do all in all if you want. Okay, so overall, um, I go back – and this could be, like, a Knicks bias, but I just go back to that 2012-2013 season. Mm-hmm. Um, you know – I would not be mad if somebody said 08-09 when they went to the conference finals. But when you look at what he was able to do that 12-13 season with the Knicks, with the surrounding team and the guys on that roster, there were some good players on that roster. He didn't have another superstar. Amari, I think he played like 30 games that year, and he wasn't the Amari of the past. J.R. Smith, one of the most consistently inconsistent players in NBA history. Um, Amon Shumpert, good defender, but didn't really contribute that much offensively. And then the rest of the roster was pretty much just a bunch of 40-year-old, 38-year-old guys who were at the end of their career. Like Jason Kidd, yes, he was good, but he finished 0 for 18 for his uh, career from the field. Um, Marcus Camby couldn't play. I think it was plantar fasciitis or fascia that he had. Um, Kmart, he, he did well, but like you know, he wasn't came out of the past. So when you just look at that roster and just realize what Melo is able to do and single-handedly bring that team to the second team in the right. East, uh, winning the scoring champ, um, you know, going up against the Pacers and people forget, but Melo had a torn labrum in his shoulder in those playoffs and he pushed through it. And I think there was one time when Kevin Garnett, like, pulled his shoulder on purpose in the first round to like kind of hurt him even more, which is why mm-hmm. KG is on my most dated players list of all time. Um, but just, just the ability to single-handedly carry that team on his back. I think they finished the season on a crazy streak too. Like I want to say like 12 and two or something like that. And Melo was putting up like 30 something a game. Um, so I just think when you look at everything and then also like where the Knicks have been since then, uh, that next year, Melo had statistically a better season, but they didn't even make the playoffs. So just just when you look at that season, who was on the team, um, 
and how he was single-handedly able to bring the Knicks back to relevance. And, like, they were elite. I really believe that if they were able to get past the Pacers, that they would have at least given the Heat a run for their money because I think they finished 3-1 and one versus the Heat that season in the regular mm. season. And, yeah, you can say regular season doesn't mean too, too much, but they, they always balled out against mm. the Heat. Um, so I think that 12-13 season, just his ability to do everything on the court, um, he was a good passer. He only put up maybe three assists a game, but um, he was finding the open man. He was hitting his threes. He was going to the free throw line. Um, I think that season will go down as the best season in his career. And in terms of can he get back to that, uh, probably not, just because he's 36 years old now. And he's not going to be given kind of the keys to the offense like he was that season where literally every other play was just drop it down to Melo and let him do his thing. Um, you know, they give him that opportunity a few times a game now, maybe four or five times. But he's not really going to get that opportunity to put up 28, 29 points a game um, at the age of 36. Mm. And, you know, speaking of that um, 12-13 season, I just had uh, Chris Copeland on my podcast. Um, I saw that. Yes, and uh, we talked about uh, Carmelo. And uh, he really was – you know, very grateful for the way that Carmelo kind of um, led that team. And especially when they lost against the Pacers, Carmelo was really the one to, you know, tell Chris Copeland, like, hey, like, it's going to be fine. Keep your head up. Um, and, you know, he really was that leader, you know, in the locker room and for that team in, in, in general. And I remember going to playoff games that season, and that was that was a fun team to watch. And I really hope that, you yeah. know, we can try to get back to those – to those ways and I was just on the state of the New York Knicks podcast last night we were just discussing like you know ways to that we 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 can hope that Leon Rose can change the image of this team and you know just try to become that team that we once were about seven years ago so yeah I mean it's that that season was just so fun to watch and you know, in regards to this offseason, what are you hoping for to see from the Knicks during this offseason? And what are your expectations for this upcoming season? I think it's so tough when it comes to the Knicks. I feel like there's so many different ways that they mm-hmm. can go. Um, I think the one way wh- what I will say is the one way they should not go is the way they've been going, which is this mm-hmm. rebuild. Because they keep drafting guys, top 10 picks, throwing them out there, having no real leadership, no direction in the organization, no direction in the franchise. And they're just in this losing environment for so long. And I don't know, I'm obviously Mm -hmm. not in the NBA, but from what people say, you get used to it. You don't really know how to win if for the first, like, let's talk about Frank Nilekina. For the first three years of his career, he's been on Mm -hmm. losing teams. And, you know, when he plays with France, that's one thing or whatever. But you just see young guys flourish, maybe not in the first year or second year, but later in their career when they're in that winning environment, that winning culture. Like I'm thinking of Michael Mm -hmm. Porter Jr. Um, Would he have been able to do uh, to look like how he looked in the playoffs and just this season if he was with a losing organization? Um, So I think the number one thing is, Forget about the rebuild. Like, I'm so sick of all that shit. People say, oh, well, you know, if we trade for Chris Paul or Russell Westbrook or whatever, 
we'll be a playoff team, but what are we going to do? It's like, that's mm. the first step. Like, why would you not want to make the playoffs? Why would you be like, no, let's, let's keep tanking. Like yeah. it's not working. Uh, the Sixers, some, some want to say like perfected it and like, look where they mm. are right now. Um, you know, shit happens. So what my preference would be for the next this season is to trade for a guy like Chris Paul, because you saw what he did mm. in OKC with yep. Shea, with just the entire team. Like they took the Rockets mm-hmm. to seven games. Um, so I think trading for a guy like Chris Paul makes a lot of sense. The Knicks should have a lot of cap room if they don't, uh, pick up the option for guys like Taj Gibson, uh, Wayne Ellington and guys like that. Mm -hmm. Wayne Ellington. Yeah. Bobby Portis, another guy. Um, hopefully they could get rid of Randall because he's proven that he can't be Mm -hmm. the best player on a team. Uh, so I would really like to see them trade. I don't know about Westbrook because I don't know how much of a mentor and like yeah. leader he would be. Um, and I pers- I personally mm-hmm. don't like his game, but I think a guy like Chris Paul makes a lot of sense. And I just think just make the team better. Like we know that they're not going to win the championship next year, but take the next step. Enough of this rebuild. We have enough young guys. They haven't been able to take that next step. Like Kevin Knox has not taken that next step. Frank Nelikina has not really taken that next step. RJ, he looked good this year. We'll see if he's right. able to take that next step. So just bringing in pieces that can win, whether that's Chris Paul or help you win. Uh, Chris Paul. I would love Fred Van, Van Vliet. Vliet. Um, Van mm-hmm. Vliet, I really like. Uh, I don't know how much money he's going to be demanding this offseason, but just just put good players on the team. I'm so sick of them bringing in these veterans who aren't that great, like Bobby Portis, Taj Gibson, and then playing them over the young guys and then not winning games. Like, it's just such an ass-backwards way of doing mm. things. So I just – however they can make the team better. Like, personally, I would absolutely, absolutely love it if they went for Chris Paul and brought Melo back. Like, that was my right. dream 10 years ago um, and a decade later. Like, kind of late, but better late than ever, in my opinion. Just Just putting a winning team out there, letting the young guys develop under that. And then I guess just take it. Right. Well, I, I already, yeah, you just answered already one of my questions because I was going to ask about uh, like what you think would be a better fit on the Knicks. Like Chris Paul. No, 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 no. no. Totally fine. Um, so speaking of Carmelo and uh, what, what was, what was it the first, what was it like the first time when you ever saw Carmelo play basketball, like in person? Yeah, it was at the mm. IZOD Center in New Jersey. Um, I think it was in the Meadowlands. I'm pretty sure it was. And I remember it was the Mellow AI Nuggets. So Mellow AI, JR, Kmart, they call them the Denver mm-hmm. Thuggets. Um, and it was just crazy. I remember I have pictures somewhere in my computer of like me with my family, like in the nosebleeds and me zooming up on my like digital camera all the way up with like mm-hmm. a blurry 15. And it was just like, you know, growing up, you play with these guys on, on video games, you watch them on TV and it's like, you see them in person and like almost doesn't seem real. Um, and I was like really young at the time. I was probably like 12, 13, something like that. So it, it was, it was crazy. And especially mellow and AI. I, I also really mm-hmm. liked AI growing up. Um, but the first, like truly, sp- like when I think of the first time watching him, I think of, when I saw him, when I saw his first, 
I wasn't at his first game as a Nick, but my first time seeing him as a Nick, just the excitement around the team. Uh, I think it was like a week after he got traded and I went to MSG and I wanted a blue mellow jersey mm. and a size medium. And I ended up leaving with a white jersey and a size large because everything was sold out. Like you could not get your right. hands on a mellow jersey when all that happened. Um, so just that and hearing uh, the Knicks PA announcer, Mike, I'm going to mess yeah, it's up. A, it's, a, it's a weird last name. Wisewski, uh, yeah, him, that intro, Iconic. that mellow intro mm-hmm. is, is all time. All time. Uh, so I think of that as like, the most exciting time that I've seen Melo in terms of like first times and everything. But yeah, it, my first real time was mm. at the Izod Center. Nuggets Nets back in like probably 2007, 2008. Mm. Something now, like speaking of Carmelo Anthony and his career, do you think that he is going to end his career as a trailblazer? Or if not, where do you think he will end his career? Well, he, that's what he said. He said he mm. wants to retire in Portland. Me personally, mm-hmm. I don't believe him. I think that it makes a lot of sense for him to play another year or two with the Blazers just because they've embraced him. Um, he has a good role on that team in terms of like where he gets his shots and things like that. Um, but I think ultimately his farewell tour, whenever that is, whether that's in two years, three years, I do not believe it'll be this year. So maybe two to three years from now, I think it yeah. has to be in blue and orange. I just think it makes too much sense, um, even if he comes off the bench and, you know, plays 15 minutes a night, 20 minutes a night, whatever it is. I just think, because he never wanted to leave New right. York in the first place. Um, it was literally the day before media day when the Knicks went up to Mello and they were like, hey, we're rebuilding. We just got a deal with the Thunder. Do you want to go to OKC? And at that point, he was like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm not going to waste another year. So I I just think it makes too much sense. He's a New Yorker. He still lives in New York. Um, And I think the Knicks is probably the move for where he'll end his career. Not one of those, like, one-day contract things. That shit's cheap. I think he's going to finish his last Mm. year. Do you think Carmelo's going to win a championship before the Knicks? When I saw this question, I, I'd be lying if I said I didn't think about mm-hmm. it for at least five minutes. Um, but this is so tough because it all comes down to whether he's going to win with right. Portland in the next two years. So my gut tells me the Knicks will win one first just because it's going to be hard for Portland. I mean, if they add a few pieces, obviously. My heart tells yeah. me Melo will. I just think that Portland is right there. Like they lost to the Lakers in five, fine in the in the playoffs, but they had a lot of guys get injured. They had a lot of people not show up. Like Trevor Reza was huge for them. So I think if they bring this team back next year, maybe add one, two, maybe three guys. And I'm not talking like Bradley Beal. I'm talking about role players who can complement these guys. Uh, I think they're a top four team in the West, and then you kind of just go from there. Obviously, we saw the Heat, the number five seed, make the finals this year. So you just, like, never know. Um, but my heart tells me that I, I do believe Carmelo will win a championship before his career ends just because Portland – if it's anywhere, it's going to be Portland, and it's just such a perfect mm-hmm. situation for him. And I just feel like those guys yeah. mesh well. 
uh, and they really picked it up. Obviously, like in the bubble, they went six and two. They were beating really good teams and pretty much against all odds made the playoffs. So I just think you bring those guys back, you see what happens, and I think you have a shot. And I don't know when you can say right. that about the Knicks. Now, when all of this mellow backlash was happening, you know, what were your thoughts on all of it? And do you think the media was being unfair to Carmelo? Because, I mean, you know, you could argue that in, the, in, in a sense it was because Knicks and, uh, you know, had Carmelo had to take on so many situations, right? And uh, so I'm just I just want to know, do you think that the media was being unfair and just what were your thoughts on the whole mellow backlash before Portland? Yeah, I definitely think they were being Mm -hmm. unfair. Um, Like you just mentioned, he was put into so many situations. He had what, 80 something teammates. Uh, I think it was four head, maybe five head coaches, four GMs and just he was never really given a legit chance in New York, maybe early in the career, uh, early in his tenure, like that 12, 13 season, I still Mm -hmm. go back. But when Phil came, he just pulled the plug on everything, traded J.R. Smith, sixth man of the year, traded Tyson Chandler, defensive player of the year, uh, traded Shumpert, who was, you know, a, a big part of that team in terms of defensively. And just like culturally, like that team clicked the Knicks. Um, so, it was just such a hard situation. And, you know, Phil, like opening day was throwing guys like Shane Larkin out on the, in the starting lineup, right. um, even though he wasn't the coach. But like that, that, that was the pieces that he was giving Melo. Samuel Dallenberg, Jose Calderon, Sasha Vujicic. It's just, it's impossible. It's impossible. I remember Charles Barkley said something on a segment like the triangle. It's a good offense when you have Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen. Kobe Bryant, Shaquille O'Neal, when when you have these other guys, it's a square. Like Melo's passing to Sasha Vujicic and Jose Calderon. And it, it was just really unfair. And as much as the media like kind of shit on him and blamed everything on him when he was the only guy, still to this day, like superstar. We can say Amari, but we kind of know he came for the money because no one else was giving him that money mm-hmm. with his knees. Uh Melo was the first real superstar that wanted to come here and take on that challenge. And then even when Phil came and the Knicks didn't make the playoffs and the team was like starting to head downhill, Melo re-upped. He re-signed with the team because he believed in Phil. And more than anything, he wanted to win here. And I don't think he gets enough credit for that because the reason he didn't win here wasn't his fault. He was an MVP candidate in 2012-2013. He had an even better year statistically the next year. So he was somebody that could have been the best player on a team and they just didn't put the pieces around him. They did it for one year and it didn't work because there were too many 38, 40 year old guys. But the thing that a lot of people forget is while the media shit on him, the fans also did. And I'll never forget that last season when we had Rose, Noah, and all those guys, when Phil came out and he was talking about Melo holds the ball too much. And he had his, uh, his ghost writer with the, I don't even remember the fucking guy's name, Charlie something writing like these, these articles about Melo, but not mentioning his name, talking about like spots on a Libra or cheetah or, or something like that. 
And Phil was putting all this out there and the fans were believing it so much to the fact that one time at home at Madison Square Garden, when Carmelo Anthony, the only superstar to embrace playing here and to be willing to put up with all the shit, um, was booed when he had the ball in isolation and like held Mm. it for a second or two, the fans started booing him. And I remember he got fouled on that play. And he like waved his finger to the crowd, like, like, come on, like, are you serious? Like, you're buying into the shit too. So, I think he it was just so unfair in in so many different ways from the media, from the president taking shots at you through the media, um, from the fans not having his back. Like, obviously, there were a lot of fans that did have his back, but there were also a lot of fans that did not have his back. So, I think it was very unfair um, with the media, but also other things mm. that i mentioned yeah so. i i i could see that absolutely um now for control the narrative what are your hopes for control the narrative and what are your plans for the future in regards to control the narrative that's a good question i've thought about that before in the past because like mm-hmm. Melo's going to retire one day as much as right. i don't want to believe that um and the kind of and this is the first time I'm really saying anything about this publicly. Um, But the kind of dilemma that I'm going through right now with it is I'm passionate about Carmelo Anthony and his career and just watching him play and, and that part of it. I wouldn't be as passionate if we did something like this for a different player. So, you know, people have brought up to me, Oh, you should do, and this was before the bubble. You should do Devin Booker. You should do, um, you know, this guy. You should do this player. And while it all makes so much sense, I just don't know if I'd be able to put in 110% like I've been doing for somebody that I don't care about in terms Mm -hmm. of like I'm not a fan of. So I think it's going to have to be something where once Melo's career is over, it has to transition. It's either it, it it's either we transition or it ends and right. I don't want it to end. So it's going to have to transition into something else, whether that's, you know, covering a different player every week, whether that's covering all players, whether that's covering a different player every year, um, something along those lines of just controlling the narrative for everything. And, you know, just the name control the narrative. It's it's not necessarily directly correlated to basketball. So we could go to other sports. We can go to just other things in general, controlling the Pop-Tart narrative, how it actually is a nutritious breakfast. I'm just pulling that no, out no, of my yeah, ass, but yeah, you get what I'm saying. Uh, so I, I just think it's something that I'm going to mm. ride the mellow wave until I can't anymore. And then from then, then I'll just decide, like, should I hire, like, the biggest Devin Booker fan to control the Devin mm. Booker narrative? Should I just hire a big NBA fan and just control narratives around the league. Like a, like a different day, you know, it's not necessarily all one player or just whatever. So long answer to your question. Mm -hmm. I don't really know yet, but I'm going to ride the mellow wave. Right. I respect that. I mean, yeah, there's any, and even if Carmelo retires, there's so many, you know, um, options you can consider and uh, contemplate over, you know, I mean, I know basketball fans, everywhere right. would, would not want to see control the narrative and including myself. Um, thank no problem. No problem. Uh, now speaking of your podcast, are there any guests 
that you would like to have on your podcast in the near future? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, right. Mellow would be a great one. Uh, someone who I've spoken to about coming on, which we haven't made it work yet, but hopefully when we start it up, we can get him on wow. is George Carl. Um, yeah, we he, he actually reached out to us about it, but going to try to do that. Um, I know that's kind of like a, uh, that's one that's going to cause a lot of uh, chaos and things like that just because of some mm-hmm. of the things. That's going to be, it's gonna be, fun, past, it's gonna be fun to listen to. I think that would be good. Yeah, to kind of press him about that shit. Um, yeah. Because, you know, I don't give a fuck. Like, I'll say whatever to him. Um, so that would be another cool one. We were supposed to have Royce White mm-hmm. on one time. He had that famous right. speech about how uh, if you think Jared Dudley is better than Melo, I'll smack you. Melo's being blackballed and all that. So we were supposed to have him on. That didn't work, so I'd love to get him on. Um, I reached out to a lot of Melo's former teammates um, about coming on and haven't heard too much back from that. But I think a few of the big ones that I would really like, um, Melo, George Carl, I think Mike Woodson would be a great one. So I don't know if, you, if Mike Woodson listens to your podcast, but if you are, uh, hit me up, Mike. We'll, we'll get something going. Uh, and then also like probably J.R. Smith and just teammates from Melo's prime because that's when kind of all the, right. these narratives started. Um, about how he's selfish and everything like that. And if anybody can clear it up, it's them. And they've cleared it up in, in certain interviews and things, but just to have it on. That's awesome. And, and hey, cool. you know, when you start up that podcast again, I definitely would love to come on sometime and just, you know, share my thoughts and talk to you definitely more about Carmelo and, and the Knicks and NBA in general. Uh, dang, perfect. We'll, we'll, we'll set it up on the Done. DMs, of course. Um, my final question is, about this documentary that you have coming up and can you share with us a little bit about you know the process of creating that and just if people don't know about it you can uh just i guess get it out there uh and the floor is yours yeah appreciate that yeah so when COVID 19 really became a serious thing uh, back in March, and the NBA suspended the season, and just the world was put on pause. Um, you know, obviously, my number one priority was like make sure I'm good, make sure my family's good, and all that. But I started to think about control the narrative and what the fuck are we gonna do? Because I don't know how long this is gonna last. So there was already news that the Last Dance was coming out. I think it came out in May. I might be lying. Maybe April or maybe June, around that time. So I thought to myself, I was like, wow, it'd be really cool to have a Carmelo Anthony documentary. So I have two video editors that help me out with a lot of things. And I pitched the idea. I'm like, hey, guys, I want to make a documentary. Um, The podcast is on pause now. There's really nothing to talk about basketball wise. So putting that on pause, let's make a documentary. They were both like, wow, that sounds awesome. I'm in. So we started back in March. It's been over six months now. Uh, approaching seven months and the whole point of it is we followed the narrative throughout Melo's career so it's not the highlights of Melo's career it's the narrative Mm -hmm. throughout it so when he first came in the league what was that narrative when he came to the Knicks what was the narrative 
when he went to OKC. And we interviewed um, some people and used their sound bites to kind of help tell the story. We have a narrator, amazing narrator. He did a hell of a job. Uh, put some commentary in from like highlights, um, some TV commentary in, and really just put everything together to help tell that narrative with the climax obviously being what happened in Houston. So that's like the main chapter. It's only one out of seven chapters. So we split it into seven chapters, seven minutes, zero, double zero seconds left. If you know, you know, number seven on the Knicks, double zero on Portland. So I thought that was kind of a nice uh, way to pay homage there. And we're, again, just following the narrative. And that is coming out on October 26th on YouTube. It's a four-night, seven-part series, which is going to be streaming on our YouTube. And you can go to blackballdoc.com to go to the link there, subscribe, so you're kind of ready for the release. We're going to be releasing merch with it. I spent a lot of time designing the merch and just kind of thinking of different ways to do it. So I'm hoping people like that. We released the trailer. A lot of people were excited and, you know, um, just commenting and be like, yo, I can't fucking wait for this to come out when we drop that. So just a lot of excitement. We've gotten some sponsors on. Um, like to quickly shout them out. V1 Studios, Hyvaria Clothing, Puff Daddy CeeLo Gaming, and Line Vision Clothing. They helped sponsor it to kind of make all that possible. But yeah, man, just really excited to kind of get the real story out. Um, don't know if you know or a lot of people know about what happened between Mello and Jeff Bizdelic in Houston. But that's something that's kind of been swept under the rug that not many people have talked about. And going to put that out there again. We've put it out maybe once or twice, but not in this capacity. So just really looking to expose the people that put Mello in that situation that year. And even leading up to it, right? Like the Phil Jacksons of the world and things like that. Because, you know, again, this could be a bias as Melo's my favorite player. But I just feel like he's gotten the shit end of the stick for so long. And it's just time for people to really wake up and see that when it's all said and done, this dude is a top 10 scorer of all time. And he's never been treated as such. Maybe in like the very, very prime of his career. But other than that, he's just always been kind of underappreciated and... I just was looking for a way to kind of mm. get all that out. Absolutely. It's going to be it's going to be incredible to watch. I cannot wait. Knicks Nation cannot wait. NBA fans across the world cannot wait for this. And Steve, I just want to thank you so much for coming on to my podcast today. Uh, I'll def- I'm definitely going to have you back on real soon and uh, I'd love to come on to yours when your podcast sure. starts back up again. And um, this was a blast. And uh, Steve, let let the people know where they can find you on social media. Yeah, first off, Aiden, appreciate you having me on. I think it's dope what you've been doing. And, you know, the fact that you said Mm -hmm. you're a junior in high school and and you're doing all that shit, that's crazy. Because I was, I think, a sophomore in college when I really started, like, putting myself out there in terms of, like, Twitter, Twitter. and like back when I started that sports blog. So keep it up, dude. Um, the fact that you're starting this young just kind of says that there's there's more to come and um, so much to come too. So keep it up. Uh, and we will definitely have you on as soon as we get that back up. Um, where everybody can find me is at Steve T-S-A-K on Twitter and Instagram. 
uh, control the narratives handles on Twitter and Instagram at CTRL narrative. Uh, you can go to control the narrative.com. And then again, the blackball doc, blackball doc.com dropping October 26th. So extremely excited about that too. So again, Aiden, appreciate you having me on, man. We'll get you on that control the narrative podcast as soon as shit starts mm-hmm. happening again. But other than that, man, it's, it's been, been a pleasure, pleasure as well for me as uh, for me also. And uh, just again, thank you so much. This was a great episode and um, have a great, have a great rest of your day, man. Thank you. Thank you. You too, dude. Stay mellow. Thank you guys so much for listening to the ninth episode of the Knicks Community Podcast. Special thanks to Steve from Control the Narrative for coming on today. If there's any questions you guys would like me to discuss on my podcast, message me on Instagram and Twitter at Knicks Community. Thank you guys so much for listening, and I'll see you guys in the next one.